Hello, and welcome back to the From Page to Picture podcast, where we take you page by page and scene by scene for the film adaptations of all your favourite books. We are hosts, Lucy and George, and this is episode nine, where we'll be discussing Bram Stoker's horror classic, Dracula. Dracula narrates the story of Count Dracula, who is attempting to move from Transylvania to London to find some new blood and spread the curse of the undead. A 19th century Gothic novel, the book follows the fight between Dracula and a group of vampire hunters led primarily by Dr. Van Helsing. Published in 1897, Bram Stoker's Dracula is not actually the first appearance of the vampire, but it is certainly the most influential, and thanks to the book's critical praise, the Count has jettisoned into becoming one of the most iconic characters in our modern culture. Since his inception, we've seen Dracula across numerous forms of media, including, but not limited to, to plays, musicals, opera, ballet, television, animation, radio dramas, other books, comics, and even porn. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but of course, it has also been adapted to film with over 200 adaptations, a number which is only beaten by the famous detective Sherlock Holmes. It was impossible for us to cover all of these adaptations, much as Lucy wanted it. So we decided to focus and compare it to Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 film, Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring Gary Oldman, Keanu Reeves, Vanilla Ryder, and Anthony Hopkins. Nominated for four Academy Awards and winning three for Best Costume Design, Best Sound Editing, and Best Makeup, it was a film received well by many critics and gave the Count a darker interpretation than had been seen in recent years. But does this film really stand out against a seemingly endless sea of adaptations? What do you think, Lucy? I think, like, when you mention Dracula, it kind of stands out as the, the book. It stands out as, like, the gothic novel when people think of horror and, like, when they think of vampires, like, you either get Dracula or you get Edward Cullen. Like they're the two iconic figures. But I feel like when it comes to the amount of adaptations, I think for me, the sheer amount of them lies in that no one person has actually done the right adaptation yet. And that might be really controversial, but like I feel like each kind of takes the story and just twists it and doesn't actually get what Bram Stoker wanted from the story. And I think like Francis Co- Francis. Ford Coppola, whatever he's called, is like no different. He tries and takes the story, but for me, it just doesn't. It just doesn't live up to the novel. It doesn't. It doesn't get the goriness and the horror that the that Bram Stoker gets in his. I don't know. What do you think? I think everyone's, as you say, everyone's tried to do their own thing with Dracula, but I think the way Dracula works is best as the book. So I think. Well, it does do some interesting stuff with the film, Francis Ford Coppola. It definitely is weaker in some places. Yeah, I think, like, one of its weakest points is Dracula himself. Like, in the book, like, he's seen as this kind of monstrous, motiveless, like, killer, like, who's driven by, like, blood and immortality. And, like, he wants to spread vampirism. And he's, like, in, in that is that, like, sexual gratification of, like, corrupting beings through drinking blood. But in the film, like, he's just not a monster. He's, like, this, like, romantic, like, hero that falls in love with Mina and he's kind of seen as this, like, misunderstood character. And, like, like Gary Oldman is fantastic. But also, Gary Oldman is so eccentric as Dracula that just feels over the top. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a point in the book which I think the quality starts to drop off. And I think... The film has the same issue, but actually it has it a lot earlier on in the book. And it's the whole uh, explanation of what Dracula is and all that stuff. Because like, as soon as you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's Dracula. That's that's cool. And then like, it, it, he, he loses all his mystery and fear and like getting inside your head. So it's just like, it's just a dude who likes blood. And uh, I do, well, I do agree Gary Oldman was perhaps too much Gary Oldman and not enough Dracula. I thought the costume design and like the the prosthetics he had and stuff, those were so good in the film. Like I was like, ooh. Yeah, I'm not surprised it won. Um, did it win the Academy um, Award for the costume? Because that's like insane the way they they kind of bring that scariness of. The yeah, it won best costume design and best makeup and sound editing. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but I also think it, like I agree with you that it's that bit in the book where um, Van Helsing's describing what a vampire actually is that kind of takes away the mysteriousness of the first act with him and Harker and how you kind of like, oh, what is going on? Like, how come he can control the wolves and that kind of thing? And I think it's interesting that film like does the same thing. It gives Dracula like this backstory at the beginning of the film, how he's like become immortal through like losing his wife in the battle. And I feel like it not only tries to like humanize him, but it also kind of takes away that misty mystery and that kind of like ominous eeriness that Bram Stoker kind of develops throughout the majority of the book. And like Bram Stoker is very much keeps like Dracula's vampire origins hidden, whereas the film is very much here is the connection between Dracula and Vlad the Impaler, and like this is his backstory. This is the vampire, and it just takes away that mystery that's so key to like the gothic genre. Yeah, like it literally, it starts off like, oh, this isn't a vampire who's really evil and you should fear. This is a sad guy who lost his wife and dressed in some really quite questionable armor. Yeah. It, like, yeah. it, it, it loses all of its, the bit which I most enjoyed about the book in like its first opening, mon- the opening scenes where it's just like, oh, this is who Dracula is. And it, it really just, lo- it, I mean, I was still engaged, but I was definitely a bit, miffed off by how it changed so suddenly i agree i think like the the bit um at the beginning in in the book is quite possibly the best bit of dracula the book um like it's so interesting how harker kind of is like no this is this is like this you know like superstitious century this i'm not going to believe any of it and then it slowly just builds up and builds up and then obviously it climaxes when those female vampires go in and the film just kind of splits between that by like having that backstory and then immediately going to Mina's story before Hackers even like escape the castle. And I think that just kind of ruins that buildup that Stoker so like effectively does in the book. No, I, I, I do agree. Like that's probably my favorite bit of the book. Because it's like Jonathan Harker comes across as this quite logical man who like he would do all the things I would do in that situation. And it's makes it really scary how he's doing everything right and he's still losing every like every bit of every day he's losing a bit more and more and it's just it's really it's quite demoralized like this is the first book like i've read and uh, and it got to a point you're like you know what i'm okay i don't want to read anymore <laughs> i was that like ah! but it, it, it was really really excellent yeah i agree like the there's something really like interesting as well that like at the time that this was written, like, 19th century, it would have been the Industrial Revolution, where, like, this idea of, like, science was beginning to kind of take control, and the fact that Harker so much clings to that idea of science, only f- only for him to completely descend into, like, hysteria and madness through, like, this vampiric supernatural essence. It's just so scary, and, like, it's, it's just so good that it can even make, like, us scared now in the 21st century. I mean, like, although the film is is good and it's dark at times it just doesn't have that eeriness and scariness that the book has i think where like a big part of the the fear for it came from me is how it's really cool how the book's written in this whole like letters and uh, back and forth like piecing together a story and it's really spooky because like this is stuff which one comes across as quite realistic because it's letters but also this is very much past tense. All of this has already happened and you can't stop it from happening. Whereas the film is like, you're very much in the moment and you're like, oh, this is kind of like an action scene. Whoa. Yeah, I do kind of like how the film does keep that journal entry and like the phonographic nature of Stuart's like when he's speaking into it and kind of keeps that in, even though it's not the same because obviously it's in present tense and the book is, it's already happened. It does kind of, I think it's one of the best things I've seen in terms of film and how it takes that diary entry and brings it to the screen. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I love the bit where it's just him writing on the on the train and then just in the mountains in the background, just Dracula's face appears. And I'm like, okay, that's quite good. <laughs> it's very camp. And I'm like, okay, I, I like that. I also like the idea that like you can't really trust, like, like Stoker tries to make us think that we can trust Harker and that we can trust Mina but then really at the end like we can't trust anything because he could have left so much out of those diary entries like we we know nothing of what happened at that castle but he wants us to think we can trust him 
I was 100% expecting, like, in the book, because uh, one thing I actually quite like that the film did that the book didn't was uh, go into detail of how Jonathan actually escaped the castle, because one point uh, we leave, and he's just in this desperate scenario where he's a, it looks like he's about to get killed. And then he's like, I'm with some nuns. Do you want to get married? <laughs> and I'm like, where did this happen? So I was expecting throughout the entire book that he would come back and they'd be like, whoa, plot twist, he was a vampire. He got turned. Because I, well, obviously I, I know the character of Dracula. Everyone knows the character of Dracula. I realised when I started reading, I did not know the story of Dracula. I did not know how this book goes at all. So it was really exciting to actually see how it all happens. So it was quite, I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, I feel like everyone kind of goes into Dracula thinking they're going to get a whole book from Dracula's perspective or like from like just so much of Dracula. But really, there's not that much of Dracula. Like we get the beginning bit, but then we immediately go to this drama between Lucy and her like seven husbands and like Renfield and Stuart. And then like obviously Lucy turns into a vampire. Dracula's just never really there. Um so it's it's nice that you like like that you kind of enjoyed how the story was going. Um, but I kind of I kind of disagree. I I like the fact that you don't know how Harker escapes. I think there's kind of a like, oh, was what was he really doing in that castle that he's not told us about? And like, like what you know, what is he actually thinking when he comes back and he's in the nuns and he's like, I can't ever tell you, Mina, like what happened. I think there's something really cool about that. And I also like I didn't really like how the film kind of left Dracula with uh, left Harker with the female vampires I quite like the idea that in the book they never really get to Dracula get to Harker because Dracula like pulls them back and he's like no he's mine whereas like the film is very much no he's like succumbed to these female vampires uh, I I still kind of disagree I will agree if it had turned out that there was something spooky and alternate that had happened to Jonathan but like it's never addressed what happened to him there so you could just be like yeah, it, I I got a tan. That was about <laughs> it. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't get a tan in Transylvania, but like, there isn't really much of a payoff to his, uh, basically him getting trapped. Like that, Dracula goes under all this, uh, like super specific ways of making sure no one knows what happened to Jonathan. Like he he disguises himself as him. He makes him send letters, but like. It all seems a bit pointless in the end because Dracula just Jonathan just turned. I bet Dracula was so pissed off when Jonathan he's like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> I love the bit when when he catches um, Dracula's like crawling down the wall in his suit in his like with his suitcase and his jacket on. And he's like, "Not a minute, he's in my clothes." Just the idea that how Dracula really thinks that he can just go into London and pretend to be Jonathan Harker. <laughs> Um, I feel like one of the main things I really, really, really hate about the film is how Mina falls in love with Dracula. Like, in the book, this just does not happen. Like, she is this, like, maternal figure who is, like, loyal to the men in her life. Like, she is, although it's very, very stereotypical, she is that kind of, like, mother rock that kind of figures everything out, but also is not very sexual in any way, whereas, like, if, if there was one word to describe the film, it would be horny. Like, that film is so horny. It is so horny. It traded all the ho- horror for horny. And it, it really so, did. Like, it, honestly, I was so baffled when I was like, one, why is Gary Oldman looking like a pimp walking down the street? And two, why is Mina now with Dracula? Like, that whole thing was really weird. And I'm just picturing poor Jonathan crawling through cold mountains to get back to his wife and his wife's just fucking the man who got him there. <laughs> like, there, like, yeah, there's like, there's, there is desire and like sex, sexual like connotations in the book, but they're so subtle. But like, I mean, even Lucy, the point where they're literally looking in that book and looking at these like horny pictures and then that she's, she's just like, oh my God, like I love all these men. Whereas in the, in the book, she starts out really prim and proper and then it's the vampirism that turns her into kind of, you know, this sexual voracious woman. But like the film just completely takes that wins. Like, no, I'm going to make all my women femme fatales. They're all going to be like horny. They've never had sex. They want sex from the vampire. That is it. 
Yeah, I thought that was really, really like I I didn't like how they handled Lucy's character in the film because uh, I, I I I we don't know obviously like you said we don't know what happened exactly with uh, Jonathan in Dracula's castle. It's the same thing with Lucy. We don't know how she uh, interacted with the three gentlemen before they all proposed, but like from the way she wrote the letter to uh, Mina, it was very proper. Like she was like, sorry, I can't, I won't let this go on to all of them, apart from the guy that she wants to be, like very properly. And like, it goes on like that. But then in the film, she's just like, I'm going to drag off. I'm going to pull all these men along and decide who I want at the very last moment. And she's just very, very horny the entire film. And then she becomes a vampire and then she's very, very horny for children. <laughs> yes, it is messed up. There is there is one theory though, like um when I was reading into like scholarship on Dracula that um they argued that the fact the very fact that Lucy had like four men that she was kind of engaging with before she picked um Arthur kind of shows that she wasn't really this prim and proper woman that the 19th century would have expected and that vampirism only really accentuates and brings out something that's already there. But I think I think you're right in that the film just completely disregards it. It's like, no, this woman's going to be sexual from the start and then she's going to be sexual to kids. And that scene where she's like running through the forest and she's like, she just looks so scary. And she's like, Arthur, come to me. I'm just like, please kill this woman. Yeah, I, I think the the film really didn't do justice to like probably I thought was one of the strongest parts of the book. And it's me, uh, Lucy's transformation, like, it, it, they do not spend enough time in it because I think the bit which made the book so like tragic and horrifying is the fact that uh, mean they they like four different people have given blood and they're just trying to keep her going, pulling her along bit by bit. Dracula was probably loving this by the way because he was like, oh, I'm gonna go drink this one, and then like he keeps coming back. He's like, I swear I've drunk you like seven. How do you still have blood? <laughs> <laughs> but I it was just like. It came across very rushed because, like, you only see her lose blood once, and then she's just vampire. Pretty much, she's just dead, and like, I didn't enjoy that too much. Yeah, like that is kind of the main bit of the book. It's pretty much the bulk of like the middle of the book, and I think Absolutely. I think you're right. Like, they just they kind of just disregard it, which I think. I mean, that's the whole point of Van Helsing's character. That's where he 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 thrives in these blood transfusions, and they just kind of pass over it, but. At the same time, I did really like the bit where they do go into her crypt in the film. I think they do a really good job with like the the cream kind of bridal death gown and like the the mm. red lips and like the candles flickering and like the coffin and everything. It's really like well done in terms of cinematography, but they should have spent longer on it. I really would have liked Stuart to say the line he says in the book as well, where he's like, like he he literally says like, oh this like this is wrong, but then he like Van Helsing's like it's for science and he's like oh yeah it's for science let's do it and it's and it really makes you question Stuart's character but they just they don't have that in the film and it's I think they needed more time with it despite the fact that it's already like two hours long yeah I don't know how they could have given that more time I guess they could have they could have cut the bloody intro thing they did not need the intro (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe we cut some of the sex scenes no they were they were perfectly like Francis perfectly made them as long as they needed to be to really get the message across that he was trying to get across. I don't know what message, but there was definitely a message. <laughs> There's a lot of things I hate about this film, but also another thing I hate is, is the fact that Mina is the one that kills Dracula in the end in the film, whereas in the book, it's Jonathan Harker. He's like, he literally goes full on ninja zombie at the end, like jumping all over these gypsies, like knocking everyone out of the wind and like stabs Dracula. And it's kind of like this like return to heroism and this kind of like, he was so weak. And then he went and he went and found all the coffins and then he killed Dracula. And then, but by making it into Mina, just, it just like draws back to the romantic plot and it just feels like hollow and shallow for me. I do agree. I do like how they handled it in the book, but I do think because they made it focused on this love interest, it made sense to make uh, her be the one to kill him. And I did think, I thought it was actually quite powerful how it was like, oh, she's going to reclaim her her life by stabbing this guy in the chest and just ending it like that. I thought that was quite, quite good. And if this, it would work a lot if it wasn't Dracula. 
who was some other weird blood-sucking supernatural fellow. But one thing I really enjoyed in the uh, film more than the book was uh, when they were doing the final fight and it was like them all fighting. Oh, I thought it was really intense when they were chasing across the edge right right in front of Dracula's castle. I thought that was really good. But I really love it when you can see the sun setting and literally when it gets to the dust, rather than Dracula just opening the top of it, he just fucking explodes out of the box and he's like, yeah. And then he gets his head covered. Like, oh. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was really good. Yeah, I gotta agree. Like that ending bit with Dracula is so much more entertaining and just what you want from like an action horror film whereas like in the book I feel like it very much builds up to the fight I mean we spend so much time with Parker trying to find those boxes like the coffins and then it just kind of is really anticlimactic and just just feels really disappointing and before you all know like before you know it like Quincy's dead like I, I saw the first time I read it I didn't even know he died I was like they just passed over that I was like come on like build it up but it's much more like entertaining to watch in the film I, I did enjoy how the film kind of like, you know what? We could spend half an hour uh, with these guys looking for all these boxes only for one of them to get away all the way back to Transylvania. Or we could have a 30 minute sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> I bought sex. Fun fact about uh, Gary Oldman and Vanilla Ryder in the film. They may have been romantically involved much to our dismay, but actually during rehearsals, uh, I mean, d- during filming, they were not, they did not get on at all. They did not like each other. But but during rehearsals, they actually did like each other. So no one actually knows what happened between the rehearsals and actual making of the film. Mm, interesting. That's Gary imagine... Oldman got a bit too method. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Well, imagine like having to do that many sex scenes with someone you literally do not like. Because they they are intimate. I think one thing I really like about the film is that Renfield Renfield and Stewart get the same amount of screen time that um, they get in the book. Um, I like I read somewhere that other adaptations tend to not really include Renfield and Stewart um, or Quincy, um, but I feel like the film does a really good job of kind of showing their relationship and the chemistry and the creepiness of it and like Renfield is so creepy in the film and they made him like oh this is the guy who went before you Jonathan to go see Dracula and he's now he's now instituted so like it really made it quite like if they hadn't already explained who Dracula was it would have added a a level of fear which is like oh uh, I'm scared what happened to him what's going to happen to Jonathan. So I thought it was, while it was quite good what they did in the book, I couldn't really care as much for Renfield as I would have wanted because I didn't know enough about him as a person. Yeah, I, I kind of see that because you kind of just get Stuart coming in and he just takes over his case because he's sad he can't be with Lucy in the book. And then there's no real connection as to why Renfield and Stuart actually exist within the book until later on, whereas I think the film kind of sets it up from the beginning which is good um is this it's the bit when when Renfield uh, when Stuart offers Renfield the cat and he's like <gasps> a cat and it's just, <laughs> so good he's so happy I, w- I would give him a cat but also he would eat that cat like that is creepy the way he like I, I just think about it like the way he ate those flies and then the way he ate the spiders just to consume life I'm like that guy is messed up he, he was definitely a complex character, which I, I, I really did find quite interesting. For the most part, everyone in the film is really well cast. Like, uh, Gary Oldman did a really good job. I think initially uh, his accent, when he first appeared, I was like, oh, he's, he's doing this accent? <laughs> but then I think from the point in which it gets the bit with uh, him and his wife, uh, him and his wives... Because this man, this man fucks. He's got lots of wives. Uh, <laughs> like I, one, I think that there's such a cool shot of just Jonathan on the bed and like the mirror, and it's just him. I thought that was really cool. And then like when he comes in and he's just like, "Why are you with him?" Like I thought that was done really well and really quite scary. Because that at that point, I I was like, "Okay, this is Dracula and he is spooky." Uh, I thought Anthony Hopkins was really good as Van Helsing. I thought he was very 
blunt and dry and like and you see like i love the bit where it's like repeatedly says i'm going to cut off her head and then stuff garlic down her throat <laughs> just <laughs> shit like that and i'm just like he's honest <laughs> and people just walk away from him like what the fuck you don't think say it's that exactly like that in the book as well <laughs> it's perfect and then winona Ryder, i think minus her love interest she was she was great as uh mina but as much as i love keanu reeves i think he was probably one of the weaker parts of the film. And fun fact, uh, Francis Ford Coppola didn't actually want to cast Keanu Reeves in the film, but for casting, he needed to cast someone attractive so he could help bring in a female audience. <laughs> Is Gary Oldman not enough? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Gary Oldman wasn't the most attractive man throughout that film. <laughs> At one point, he was a weird vampire thing. Uh, I do you know like he actually they shaved his like uh close to his roots of his hair to give him the higher forehead to make him look more like Dracula. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, he, did, he may have had the fits, but he did not have the look in that film. <laughs> Wait, so, who, yeah. did, who were they gonna cast instead of Keanu Reeves? I don't actually know, but I, I think he, I think he knew like eh, Keanu Reeves, I love you, but. I don't think you're the best for this role, which I, I do agree with because I guess he just kind of came across as a bit clumbersome at times, I guess. Yeah, I feel he felt like really wooden um, and he just like that the bit where he um, Mina's drinking Dracula's blood, like he just did not seem upset. And like when I first like watched this, I was like, that's not Keanu Reeves because I literally pictured him having long hair. I was like, why have they like cast Keanu Reeves? Because he's got long hair, and that's not Jonathan Harker. But yeah, I I completely agree. Like he has the charm, but he just like the physical appearance tra- charm, but he doesn't have the acting charm. He's just really wooden. Um, Anthony Hopkins, I think, is the star of the show as Van Helsing. Absolutely. Like he's so creepy, and like the bit where he's like dancing with Mina, which run of fact was completely improvised by Anthony Hopkins oh, cool. and then he sniffs he sniffs her which is also improvised because he's like trying to smell Dracula's scent on her and it's just so creepy but it's also really Van Helsing like Van Helsing is such a weird guy and just Hopkins does it just so well he's such a talented man and I will always watch his films and I think he just he's I I hadn't actually known who was playing uh Dracula uh, who was playing Van Helsing in the film we were going to watch. I knew Keanu Reeves was Jonathan Hogg. I knew Vanilla Ryder was Mina, but I didn't know who Van Helsing was. So when it came on, I was just like, holy shit, yes. Give this to me now. <laughs> and he, he just he just embodies it so well. Sometimes he's scarier than Dracula with what he does. Yes. And I'm like, I kind of feel bad for Dracula, but then again, he did eat like lots of children. I mean, like... If you put them on the same light like, level, like I think Van Helsing is just as bad as um Dracula. Like I feel like he kind of crosses a line with the way he does like treats Lucy's body. And obviously, like he needs to because she's a vampire. But there's something about Van Helsing in both book and film, like thanks to Anthony Hopkins, that you can never really classify him as like a hero, but also he's not really a villain, like he's just so ambiguous. And he's just never like really all that he seems. I feel like at some points you could kind of feel like Van Helsing may be a vampire as well. Like, I don't know if you saw, but Hopkins um, plays the priest at the start of the film, the one that yeah. will not allow Elizabeth's body is a crucial burial. So, like, is Van Helsing the same guy? Like, is he immortal the same way that Dracula is? Like, and, and then just the way he like dances with Mina, it's like, Telling her like he's one of the li- she's one of the lights and it's just really creepy that you think like, Are you a vampire. The whole idea of like how does he know so much about the vampires like yeah. from pretty much from the even in the book like he how does Van Helsing like he's such an interesting character and he's like an enigma in this tale and like who is this guy and it it really creeps me out. I kind of associate him a lot with like Frankenstein in a mm. lot of ways because they're both very much creepy scientists working on who have a lot of knowledge of undead things yeah it's it's like a lot of knowledge which is 
like he's obviously very smart like steward respects him but at the same time it's a bit too much like creepy knowledge that it's a bit like dude there's something wrong with you you're unhinged just going back to what you were saying about we were talking about uh jonathan harker one of the, probably the funniest bits of the book which really shouldn't have been funny for me was when uh mina is being forced to drink dracula's blood i thought it was really funny because i just i just thought back to the start of the book where harker can't sleep at night because i have to know more about dracula but then it cuts to literally him being asleep in bed right next to his wife fighting for her life he's like i sleep i'm awake at the Uh... completely wrong times I've always read that scene like really, really sexual. Um, that like it's like Mina giving Dracula a blowjob, and Harkin's just watching, and he's like, "Oh, I wish that could be me." <laughs> he's just the dad in the closet watching his wife with another man. <laughs> <laughs> but then he overreacts. He like full on like breaks down. He's like, "My Mina," and Mina's like obviously traumatized herself, and her husband just literally kind of together i'm just picturing him tucked in all nicely with a nightcap on just like side-eyeing them just like what the what the fuck's going on over there <laughs> oh uh, god jonathan wishes that he could have been in that situation with dracula <laughs> i don't think it's meant to be funny though <laughs> it definitely isn't but i just thought like this how is he not woken up in this situation <laughs> At the start, we talked about how there are a lot of adaptations of Dracula across all mediums. Uh, well, Dracula is, like, this is the first time I've read the book Dracula. I have actually read a different series of books, which is based on the Dracula mythology. It was called uh, Department 19, Ooh. which I really loved when it, when I was reading it. And it's basically, it does to Dracula what aliens did to Alien. And it's basically about like a it's modern day and it's about like a branch of the government which is tasked with killing vampires pretty much and it's like an entire organization and it's like they're all descendants of the book's characters and it's just insane and it's really well fleshed out it's even got frankenstein who turns into a werewolf and it's just stupid like it, it was it was a lot of fun when i read it when i was younger that sounds so it, it, cool i, I want to read that now do it i i genuinely it's so so good i think that it, i think that's one of the things i really love about dracula is how it kind of like has spanned off into its own thing like it wasn't it wasn't the original vampire gothic story we had the vampire um and then we had camilla and then dracula came out of camilla but since that there's been so many things that have just kind of like taken its own toll from bram stoker's vampire and I think that's just, uh, just so cool like imagine being that much of a really good writer that you have influenced that many like modern adaptations definitely like vampires and like, like to an extent gothic and horror as a whole like you can definitely draw it up to uh bs and as like before stoker and after stoker and it's just such a how he's changed so much in what he did and it's got to be commended to him. I love as well, like that he was writing such at, at such an important time. Like he was writing when it was the Oscar Wilde trials, where he was in trial for homosexuality. But he was also writing straight after the Jack the Ripper murders as well. So he had so mm. many influences. Like he had obviously the the like the ban on homosexuality during the nineteenth century, which kind of obviously has influenced the book. But also like the fear and the terror of this this man that no one knows like killing people in Whitechapel and then taking that and making it supernatural through Dracula is just like what what a man and I think that, that I didn't realize it happened it was written at the same time as Jack the Ripper because that really does make sense because a lot of people it was a time when science was getting popular and it was getting a lot of traction and they were like this Jack the Ripper is just a man, but like, how have we caught him? And then it kind of, people's minds start to go to the supernatural, like, is he something else? And that, that is exactly what Bram Stoker focuses on. Like, hey, he isn't a normal guy. He's something much worse than a normal guy. I also think, like, 
it, for me, one of the best bits about the book is kind of the undertones of like colonization as well. Like it was written at a time where people were starting to migrate to London and and then in the West. And I feel like that kind of is in there with the whole Dracula migrating from Transylvania to London, trying to spread his race. Um, and like, a lot of people have read Dracula as like a metaphor of like the Jews, because that was like anti-Semitism was huge during the 19th century as well. And like this idea of a foreigner, like, invading invading and reverse colonizing london is like really good and i think i really wish the the film kind of added on to that but it kind of took a religious tone instead but i think it's just good how there's so many different angles in the book that you can kind of read the book yeah definitely like you can definitely read it into lots of different things it's very much multi-layered and so many different angles of which the like both the character of dracula and the story as a whole can be interpreted and I think it makes it quite good for re-watching if you ever want to or rereading. sorry yes definitely I think I think I read it like seven times now but I feel like every time I go back to it there's like something new I get out of it which is really good and really nice to get from a book which I probably would never go back to the film but yeah I think one of the bits I really find interesting that I preferred in the film rather than in the book is the bit when um dracula invades the russian ship De- demeter i think that's how you pronounce it um like and and you you slowly see like each member of the crew get murdered except for the captain in the book this is narrated like so boring it's just like trying to get through the newspaper articles of it all is really dull whereas in the film i feel like there's kind of that ominous really well torn that's kind of set through the cinematography and the visuals that just makes it really eerie and like entertaining yeah i i, I actually did quite enjoy it in the book i quite enjoyed how it, how it was written of like his his captain's log being like oh like him his basically his ship slowly spiraling it's kind of like a short story within a story mm. but I, I do i did quite like how they handled it with the cinematography in the film but it, it reminds me a lot of the uh I, have you watched the bbc dracula show Yes. I love the episode where they're on the boat. I thought that was really that was really good. So I was just like, damn, this is really good. Perhaps you could just put the hour of that film, that that show, into this film and I, I would like it even more. I think that one of the one of the bits I really like about the film as well is how it develops um Arthur. I feel like Arthur never gets spoken about enough because he's just really seen as like Lucy's Lucy's like boyfriend fiance whatever you want to call him but I feel like in the film they make him into like this more of a like dependable character who's kind of like goes from questioning everything but then when he has responsibility he like he doesn't shirk it he really like is like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna take control and he's like he's the one who organizes like them going into Transylvania and like driving him back to his land like I don't know I just feel like he takes more of a central role in the film yeah I definitely I feel like it does a good job of uh, making him and making him com- like more of a. He's trying to. It may, he makes more sense because he's trying to avenge his wife. Because like, they actually got married by that point, didn't they? Yeah. Or they not. So it's like it. It's a lot more, I guess, realistic than what probably a lot of other adaptations have done with him, rather than just being like, "Oh, his wife said he's going to go home and mope." But I think. I quite like him in the book as well because especially as a bit Mina says when they're going towards Transylvania and she's like, thank God we have Quincy and Arthur because of all their money, pretty much. And I'm just like, yeah, capitalism. Because it's like, it's very much them definitely doing stuff for the greater good and knowing like, sure, they may not be the best at fighting or the smartest people in the room, but they know what they have and they're using it to the best of their abilities to rid the world of something truly awful. Yeah, I like the bit when they're like, what, like Harker can't go to the police officer or get like break into one of the lairs because he's a solicitor. But 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 Arthur and Quincy can because Quincy's a foreigner and Arthur's got money. <laughs> so they're okay. I loved how uh, Quincy looked in the film. Like his entire, I was like, this is like, I think when they were trying to make the question, I was like, okay, how do we make this guy look as American as possible? <laughs> He's got the tassels on his jacket, a cowboy hat, and a blooming 
rifle. Like, I'm like, ex- excellent. Oh, it's so good. And in the book, like, Quincy's always going about, like, I've got my Winchester. Do you want one? <laughs> or my Winchester. <laughs> he ain't no match for my Winchester. And it's just like, Stood yes, at the window, like, one. shooting at the bats. <laughs> uh, oh, Quincy, I'm so sad he died. Yeah, I generally had no idea that was going to happen in the book. I was like, damn, <laughs> man, man down. I like how he how they named the baby after him, though. <laughs> and then it's like in brackets, we did also include the names of the other people. And I was like, oh, okay, that kind of lessened the good thought, but okay. Yeah. I think it's interesting how, um, like, at the end we have that baby, and but it just comes out of nowhere, like, like Mina and Harker were in no way kind of like sexual they literally literally got married in a hospital <laughs> and yet they've got a kid I don't know if this is just like my interpretation of the more camp adaptations of Dracula but I was just a, some small part of me was hoping the book was going to end with Van Helsing holding the baby like his teeth are coming through and they're all pointy <laughs> and then it just ends that would have been amazing no, there is there is a theory that um because because Mina's got Dracula's blood in her that technically the way that the, the baby is so soon after that that baby's got vampire blood in him too. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just Van Helsing will have to come back at a later time to see the pointy teeth. I think we both know that for sure. That if it did turn out that the baby was a vampire, Dracula would kill the baby there and then. Oh no, no! Dracula would like adopt that baby and and bring it. No, up I mean Van Helsing. Prodigy. Sorry, Van Helsing would definitely oh. kill the baby on the spot. Yeah, Van Helsing was, has no respect. He he gives he's like he's a cold ass motherfucker because in the book like he's just like okay Mina I just fended off these three vampires and I'm exhausted and Mina is on death's door. You know what I should do? I'm gonna go fucking kill three vampires and just gets a triple kill. I, I feel like this is going to be one of the smallest differences between the book and the film, but it stuck out to me so much, and I don't know why. And it's the death of the horse near the end. <laughs> in the film, it's quite graphic, but I quite like how the film did it, because it's just like, and the horse was dead, and there was no sound. And I'm like, damn, I had emotional investment in that horse. Oh, what was the horse's name? I wasn't that emotionally invested in the horse. <laughs> I literally had to not pay attention to the horse. The only time I paid it, I only paid attention when I knew they were gone. Oh, that's so sad. One thing we need to talk about is how absolutely sexist Van Helsing is. Like, he lets Mina figure out everything. And then as soon as even Dracula's like one centimeter close to them, he's like, Mina, you cannot help us anymore. No women allowed in this room. We won't tell you anything. I'm like, she, you're the, she's the only reason you know where Dracula is. Yeah, it gets so horrifically. Like, I was, at first I was like, okay, this is, this is fine. It's, it's, uh, these men are treating these women nicely. This is good. This is good. And I'm like, okay, that's bad. Dracula's sucking the blood out of this woman. But they're the helping. And it's like, okay, now it's just horrifically sexist because she's turning into a vampire and they just can't trust her and she has to go for a nap every five minutes <laughs> she isn't a cat she's tired but like I, I do like how uh i well i don't like how bram stoker portrays not specifically uh mina but like the men towards mina mm-hmm. i do like how he gave mina a lot of didn't make her damsel in distress. Like she mm. actively contributed a lot towards Dracula's demise. Yeah, I love how she kind of is the one that sits there with her little typewriter, like typing out all the notes and making the connections and everything. And she's the one that, like, she she's the hero of the story. Who's Jonathan Harker? It's all about Mina. I did quite like it how Jonathan Harker is the as the film goes on. He just looks older and older. He's just like. <laughs> I was expecting by the end him to just be just a pile of bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Jonathan Harker, he's such a wimp. Like 
he literally gets captured and then is so weak that he's fainting all the time. And then he he somehow manages to find all the boxes. I don't know. I don't know how. Like I think it's that guy that needed to nap every minute. I I thought I I called like I was like complete bogus. How is that? Oh no, Jonathan has brain fever. That sounds like a made up illness. Brain fever. He is definitely a vampire, and it just turns out he's just got brain fever. And I'm like, what the fuck? That is. He was just ill. <laughs> It's no, it's um, I mean, I, I guess like, yeah, brain fever is like a nicer way of saying he's got hysteria, which basically just crying and fainting a lot, which I like props to Bram Stoker because like, I mean, I, I wrote 15,000 words on this for my dissertation, but like Bram Stoker was one of the first like authors to actually address like emotion in men and to kind of address that these men aren't really as sturdy, sturdy and like, like you know rational as van helsing is appearing to be they do break down like the amount of times that van helsing breaks down in front of steward and then steward's like don't cry no one can see you cry and the amount of times like harker faints like it's it's so nice to see like men in like that during the 19th century when they're meant to be like men of the house yeah it definitely shows like the weakness of men at like quite realistically and like through the ways that you explained i thought that really added a lot of depth to those male characters which i quite liked yeah including renfield when he was really happy and really sad uh, a bit doing a lot better in the book than in the film was renfield's death mm. like how renfield kind of just like renfield was the one who was letting uh him in this entire time and getting to Mina and like him finally stepping up for himself and full on confronting and grabbing Dracula that was really cool and then it's just they don't actually show him uh, the actual altercation but you can just see his mangled body and I was like oh that guy's dead or dying and it's just like it was definitely a redemption for him as a person yeah I think that the Renfield's death in the book as well is really kind of brings in the complicated relationship with science as well like because he's literally dying because he's stood up to Dracula and then like Van Helsing's like we we don't have long left he's he's gonna die we need to like drill into his skull to find out what he knows and it's just that moment where you're a bit like really Van Helsing like he's dying he 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 stood up to Dracula. He's he's still a patient, like regardless of how insane he is, he's still a patient in a human life, and you're just exploiting him. And then they just leave him, like they 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 get the information and they run to Mina and they just leave him on the floor, like dying. And I'm like, who Redfield? He he finally yeah, stood I, up to his enemy. I got really bewildered because I was like, oh damn, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening to Renfield. And then it's like, quickly, let's go to Mina. I'm like, wait. What happened to Renfield? Is he dead? Is he alive? Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, they get a message. Oh, yeah, you left him on the floor bleeding. He's now dead. Like, yeah. Damn. I'm like, Ugh. you you evil sons of bitches. Like, you treat human lives so bad. Poor Renfield. I'm, I'm just picturing him having the body structure of an accordion at that time. And there's like, he'll be fine. We'll come back to him later. Oh. I feel for him. Like I did quite like how how there was no consistent pattern to him as a character in the book because like he was very much like at some points he was very well spoken, which we don't really get much of in the film. Which mm. I quite I, I would have liked more of that. Just that would have given a lot more sinister, like made him a lot more sinister. I felt and it's just it did such a good. Bram Stoker did such a good job of presenting this character. Yeah, I really love the bit where he they all go to view him, view him, you know, when they're like, oh, my God, we need to see your patient. And he stands there and he's like, oh, Arthur, you are the 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 descendant of blah, blah. And how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he basically just lists off all the achievements of the men. And he's so well spoken. And Stuart's like, how do you know all this information? How are you speaking so well? And, it, and then, but then suddenly he just had to fit. And it's like, oh, this guy. And I love the moment where I was like, where's this going to go? Because all the, like, even Van Helsing to a degree, they're all like, is this guy actually insane? <laughs> or like, is he, is he actually institute? Why is he in, why is he in here? Yeah. And it's just like, oh. 
But then, then he does go on a ramble. Yeah, he's very good at manipulating Stuart. It's it's a testament to his insanity. I I I, I love uh, how the asylum looks in the film. It's so just like it's like the epitome of gothic. I felt yeah. even more so than the castle. It's just like this horrific. I have no idea why the guards had metal cages on their head, but I loved it, and it was just. <laughs> Especially, even Steward was just like he even looked more spooky and gothic than Dracula did. <laughs> just like yeah. going around looking like death warmed up, and I'm like, yes, yeah. The film does such a good job with its sets. Like, I love the shots of Mina in the garden and like how it zooms out on her and gives like an aerial perspective. But also, just like gothic is all about the castle and the creepy, like insane asylums and the. The weird places where monsters can hide, but people don't know they're there, and just it just does such a good job of bringing those to life. Especially considering it, like it was only made in was it nineteen ninety two to have that much like um, detail on the set. Um, which brings me to one of my random facts. Um, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, um, the director said that the effects were all done live in the camera, like magic tricks. So, like for the Green Mist. The cinematography used double exposure and put film through the camera multiple times before it was developed. And then um, they had like forced perspective shots and miniatures like Lucy's stately home on the horizon to the, to reverse the photography. Um, so like when Lucy's climbing back into her coffin, um, they like did it in reverse. And then like the running horses, they did that in circles to make it look like they were going in long distance. So like everything was kind of done through the camera rather than with CGI and it was all just like very on set we're going to do this like in the moment which I think is really really like insane because this like the film came out at the same time as like Jurassic Park and like we all know the dinosaurs were shit in that so to kind of like really develop it through an actual camera rather than CGI is brave. Okay two things one uh, that is really cool like I love that kind of I think a lot of people love that kind of cinema, how it, and to us, I quite miss, well, CGI is really good, and there's so much cool stuff that's happening with that. I love, like, all the clever technical details people did to try and make films films. Like, one an example I've always really loved was in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, because they had to try and get a sound effect for the massive ball rolling over towards Indy. And, like, uh, the sound director and I think Steven Spielberg went to like a quarry to try and find a big rock to knock over and record that but their their truck could not get up the hill because uh, like it wasn't strong enough and all the equipment they had so they kept trying to go up this gravel path and they kept going all the way back down but then they realized after about five times like wait so they put their microphone out as they were going down the hill and that's the sound they used like oh stuff like God. that is so cool and number two, what were you just saying about the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park? They're they awful. are amazing. <laughs> they are good. No. Especially the T-Rex. It looks like a guy is dressed up as a dinosaur. It's No, really it bad. doesn't. It looks good. No. Um, but also, that's really, like, oh, the, the sound effect, that's really cool. Just It's just, like, I think it's so much more realistic and more authentic that they've actually done it that way rather than through like CGI and taking a cop out because it must like that must have took so long for them to be like oh my god that this could just be the sound I, it, I think it I think that's why to some degree a lot of people prefer older films because it's you can really tell how they've had to think around a lot of hurdles and a lot of uh, different ways whereas now it kind of feels like Oh, they've just thrown a lot of money at this. Well, sure, like people, people who work in special effects and digital art are so talented. Uh, a lot of it is just companies throwing so much money when they could, if they wanted to, they could make something really special if they just put another level of thought into it. Mm, I think it's it's a tricky thing because, like, some of the older films you watch and like it just doesn't work and you're a bit like oh the cgi is so bad like the hunger games catching fire bring comes to mind where they're literally the cgi of it is literally like 
they're on fire and you just think oh it just looks so bad because it's so old and they didn't have the money but then you're right that like if it's done right and it's done properly like without just throwing money at it then it can just make a really good film and like if it's done right with like practical effect it becomes almost timeless like the example which i think of is the thing like uh john carpenter's the thing like that is iconic for its practical effects and that is yeah. well because they look so realistic yeah it's such a good film okay question if you could have an ideal cast for dracula who would you pick uh oh god that's a very good question uh i would have i'd still have anthony hopkins as van helsing i i honestly i'd still go with Noah rider for mina I think the two big ones that I would change would have to be Jonathan Harker and Dracula. Hmm. Who would I want for... I don't know why, but I think it's because I watched Don't Look Up quite recently. Hmm. I feel like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio would make an excellent Jonathan Harker. Like, the whole... How nervous he was in that film. Like, I felt that that would do really good for the character of Jonathan Harker. Yeah. it's kind of cheating, but I, I haven't seen the film, but I really want to. Uh, but the original Dracula of Christopher Lee, I feel like he's the, he's the OG, so I'd, I'd be quite interested. I'd want to, if he came back to life, mysteriously. Yeah. Yes, him for Dracula. What about you? Who would you be your dream Dracula cast? I think, see, I, I kind of like the idea of um, Leonardo DiCaprio as Harker. But also at the same time, if if Chris Pratt wasn't a Pratt, I can kind of see Chris Pratt as a Jonathan Harker, maybe. But also Kit Harrington. After Kit, take Kit Harrington from Ooh, the Eternals, yeah. the Eternals Kit Harrington, and put him as Jonathan Harker. Absolutely. Yes, I think Chris I'd, Pratt I'd, wouldn't really work as uh, Harker because he is technically Italian now. And all the garlic in his blood would kill Dracula all the time. Um, I think I'd want, really want David Tennant from his era in Harry Potter as Renfield. Oh, that would be good. I'd like that a lot, yeah. That yeah. would be really, really cool. Um, and then I think I agree with you. I think I'd keep Winona as Mina, but I would potentially use maybe Emma Watson or... Um, oh, yeah, I'd probably use Emma Watson as Lucy. Oh, I, I would say maybe uh, either of the, uh, I, I'm just going thinking straight away about Emma, maybe like Anya Taylor-Joy or uh, or Maya Goff, like the, the two people, and like, like either one of those two would be really interesting in that role, because they could yeah. do definitely very different interpretations of Lucy, either of them. Anya Taylor-Joy would do a fantastic Lucy. She could have like the charm, but then just cover her in blood and have a baby in her hands, and just oh, I'd fall in love. Um, as for, I think I'd have. Um, have you ever watched Criminal Minds? I have not. So uh, I don't know if he's in anything else, but Matthew Greg Gubler, I think he's called, gives me really cool like Arthur vibes. Um, he's really awkward and like skinny and like has kind of like shaggy blondish hair. I think he'd be good as Arthur. Um, I just Googled him. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He kind of reminded me a lot of the guy who played uh, Quincy, though. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Quincy needs to be a bit butch, though. I feel like... Can I take Chris Chris Pratt for Quincy? No, I I don't want Chris Pratt in my film. I need need, need an equivalent of Chris Pratt. (laughs) Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes, yes, I love Chris Hemsworth. But he has to be topless the entire film for no apparent reason. Chris Pratt, Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Pratt, yeah, my gosh, too many Chris. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Pine. Chris Pine, oh my God, yes. Yes, okay, and then as Count Dracula himself, wait, did I do Van Helsing? I think I'd keep Van Helsing as Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I, love I, I can't see anyone who would do better than him. Maybe Danny DeVito. No, <laughs> no, I really want Idris Elba in my film though. Where can I cast Idris Elba? Um, for Kyle Dracula, as much as I, I don't hate him, but 
he's a really, really good actor. I would have Mads, Mads Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen, however you pronounce his name. You hate Mads Mikkelsen? Yes, he looks like he's a sloth. He is so ugly. That is factually incorrect. He is awful. an amazing man. I can't. I, I haven't watched Bond. I haven't watched any Bonds. So, I mean, so obviously that's his era. But No, he's only in one Bond film. Oh, okay. I don't think I've watched any film with him in. He's just ugly. <laughs> so I don't really want him as Dracula because I want someone like, you know charismatic but i don't know who else i'd cast i mean like one you should watch the hunt two you should watch another round three he is an attractive man and you should stop the madness and slander right now <laughs> it's okay i've i've got my chris pine and my my emma watson and kit harrington i'm standing by kit harrington as hacker i think i, I do i think that would be really good yeah yeah but i'm trying to think I don't know. I feel like me saying Christopher Lee was a bit of a cop out because he's already been Christopher Lee and he's dead. So I can't really <laughs> say. <laughs> trying to think who'd be a good. Who can we have as Dracula? I think a cool young Dracula like Tim- Timothy Chalamet. No! <laughs> take that back. <laughs> I, I do take it back. But actually, a good idea for a cool Quincy, uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, very much the butch guys. Like very, uh, like he was so good in Dune. Like probably one of my favorite action characters of the year. He was so good in that. Well, what about Taron Egerton? No. (laughs) (laughs) And I will not elaborate at this time. How dare you reject him? Oh, what about? Okay, okay, I found the perfect Quincy. Potentially, potentially uh, Arthur, depending on what you think. Thomas Brody Sangster, but specifically from The Queen's Gambit. Oh, that's interesting. With his hat. <laughs> no, I think he, he, I've got an idea of him being just overly buff. <laughs> like horrifically buff. To the point where Dracula's scared that this man's just going to rip him limb from limb. As he gets <laughs> close. Oh, what about uh, De- Dev Patel? My man. My man. <laughs> I, I recently watched The Great Night and he was phenomenal in that. So my answer is to put him in the film somewhere. Yeah. I, I think was it could be quite an interesting uh steward. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I, I think he could definitely do the whole this quite meek and uh Professor character quite well. Yeah trying to think who should be Dracula I mean Adam Sandler's done very good with him in the Hotel Transylvania series no <laughs> what about Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch I'm not I was just Benedict thinking Benedict Cumberbatch but it's... at the same time he's got the I think he's got the facial structure for it but I think that's about it yeah he's got the facial I don't think he has I don't know though I watched him in um the Frankenstein National Theatre production. And he was a very creepy, very weird um, uh, monster creature. So I feel like he could he could channel some creepiness for Dracula. But does he have the charisma of Dracula? Like, like Mads Mikkelsen, or how do you pronounce his name? Ooh. He's just not attractive. Tom Who? Hiddleston. Tom, ooh. Ooh. I'll I'll take it. Tom Hiddleston is Dracula. Or Anya Taylor Joy is Dracula. Yes, yes. <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy. That's our that's our dream dream Dracula cast. If anyone has any complaints, do not come to me. <laughs> Tell us your Dracula fan casts and explain why in glorious detail, not to me. Book or film, George? 100% the book. Like, this is, it's just going to be kind of, kind of sound quite weird to say, but this is probably the first proper horror book I've ever read. Like, like full on horror, like gothic book I've got my hands on. And like, it, I enjoyed it so much. And it's made me want to, like, I want to go read other ones, like, 
Frankenstein and uh, I was so intrigued like invested in it and like the unique writing style really got me and I think while the film did a lot of it it made a damn good effort of it it really it couldn't it didn't live up to the 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 book in any and I think as it goes on and the legend of Dracula keeps getting bigger and bigger it will be impossible for the film to ever any adaptation to ever live up to such standards I'm so happy that you love the book because I was so nervous because obviously it's like 19th century writing kind of in obviously the late end but same era as Austin and I was like George is gonna hate this she's gonna hate me I'm so glad you liked it because I agree like that book has a special place in my heart like I love the gothic and it epitomizes gothic in like every every single sense of the word and like Bram Bram Stoker just really like he really makes you just chill and be like I cannot read this at night or like this is really scary actually and just it makes you think and I think like yeah the film's entertaining like it's okay and but it's it's somewhat faithful to its book and I think we can agree like in some ways the film does do things a bit better or is more entertaining in some aspects in the book but I think you're right and they can never really live up to the standard that Stoker has set in his book and I think I, I do think that if the film took a bit of its sexual nature out it may have been a bit better um but I think for me I just want a good old-fashioned adaptation that is faithful and, and there's probably elitist to say but yeah I think I just I love the book so I'm gonna go book two. I think a lot of where the mistakes of adaptations come with is it's gonna sound kind of counterintuitive. The Dracula adaptations have too much Dracula. Mm. He doesn't like the strength of the book is the other characters and the 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 uh, void in which Dracula is in. That is the best aspect of Dracula. The bit like the bits you don't know about Dracula are what make him so good. So I think that will be quite an interesting. Hopefully, that's what they focus on in future adaptations. Yeah, you can you can't you can't make a film about Dracula without having Dracula front and center because otherwise your viewers are going to be disappointed. But that's not what the book's about. And I think there's probably a lot of people that are disappointed when they go into the book because it's not that. But I think the book stands on its own as just a really good horror and gothic novel and. Films just can't do it. They can't do it. What they should do is they should release a film, but like the title is "The Diaries of Jonathan Harker," but it's like written in like a uh, in the style of like a print, like Barbie, just like Di- my diary. <laughs> it just and it's just like and then it takes people like half of the film to pay on like wait shit this is Dracula. <laughs> Wait, right. This sounded like such a good idea as I started to explain it. I was like, the diaries of Jonathan Harker, that sounds amazing. And then you're like, it'll literally just be like, Dean's head. I was like, this is the worst film. Yeah, that's fair. And <laughs> um, so once again, that brings us to the end of the page and to the credits. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know your thoughts on Dracula on our Twitter at From Page to Pick and our Instagram at From Page to Picture. Join us next time as we we take a departure from the gothic genre to dive into the world of sci-fi with The Martian by Andy Ware. I probably butchered his name. Um, And it's 2015 adaptation starring Matt Damon. (laughs) 